0: Hi, and welcome to Pop Culture Sociologist, the show where I analyze books, TV shows, and movies for your enjoyment. I'm Marina Berlin. I've been a professional media critic since 2011, and I have an academic background in sociology, hence the name of this podcast. So let's get started. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you why the TV show Hannibal is the best existing screen adaptation of the book Lolita. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about the existing adaptations of Lolita and how they differ from the book, how I think Hannibal the TV show got it right, where the official adaptations got it wrong, and then I'm going to offer you some conclusions. For those who might not be familiar with it, Hannibal is a television show created by Brian Fuller. It aired between 2013 and 2015 and it is about Hannibal Lecter, who is a cannibal and a serial killer, and Will Graham, a profiler for the FBI who is trying to catch a serial killer who, unbeknownst to him, is actually Hannibal. Some of you may be familiar with Hannibal from the movies made about him or the books by Thomas Harris. The TV show Hannibal is, of course, not in any way an official adaptation of Lolita, but is based on Harris's books. For those who might not be familiar with it, Lolita is a book from 1955 by Vladimir Nabokov about a middle-aged man named Humbert Humbert who becomes obsessed with a very young girl. Because the book itself is very divisive even today and very controversial, in my opinion, for some very good reasons, I'm going to stay upfront that I'm not going to try to quote-unquote defend the book or talk about its literary merit. I'm merely going to treat it as a cultural work that exists and that is popular and that is part of the literary canon, and that I think is a very interesting test case of how these kinds of stories are adapted, and specifically how a horror show is a much, much better adaptation of this book than any of the movies that are official adaptations of it. Finally, I'd like to add a content note at this stage that, like the book Lolita, this episode is going to deal a lot with pedophilia and with rape, and while I'm not going to go into any graphic details, I'd just like to let you know so that you can decide whether that's content you'd like to listen to today. Okay, now let's dive right in. Lane low in the morning. Lola in slacks. Lois Lane. What you just heard was a clip from the movie Justice League from 2017, where Lex Luthor is meeting Lois Lane for the first time, and what he's saying is actually a famous quote from Lolita. The full quote is, She was low, plain low in the morning, standing four feet ten in one sock. She was Lola in slacks. She was Dolly at school. She was Dolores on the dotted line. But in my arms, she was always Lolita. Why, you ask, is Lex Luthor quoting this book in relation to Lois Lane? You'll have to ask the creators of Justice League for a real answer, but I think it's an interesting example of how ubiquitous and famous this book is, that it's being quoted even by comic book villains in a huge blockbuster movie. I first read Lolita when I was in early middle school. I'd say I was about 13. And I and my best friend at the time, who was a girl my age, we were both obsessed with this book. We read it in multiple languages. We talked about it nonstop. In some ways, I guess it was my first real fandom. I knew that book backwards and forwards, as did my friend. We talked about it all the time. And of course, as soon as we could get our hands on them, we wanted to see the filmed adaptations of the book. There are two filmed adaptations. One of them is by Stanley Kubrick from the 1960s, and one of them is by Adrian Lyne from the 1990s. In both of these adaptations, I found that there had been an effort made to make Humbert Humbert, the narrator of the book, less monstrous than he is in the novel, which I found to be quite disturbing since his monstrosity is the point of the book. He is a pedophile, he is a rapist, and even beyond those two very specific words, he does so many things that would be reprehensible even if he were neither of those things. Hollywood had a dilemma. They wanted to adapt this book. It's classic literature, and I'm not going to talk about Hollywood's relationship with young girls and how they're portrayed on screen, but it is a book about a monstrous thing that is happening, about a middle-aged man who is raping a very young girl who is 12 the first time he rapes her. And in a way, in both adaptations, there was an attempt made to make that story less terrible in order to make it more palatable, in order to sell it to a wider audience. There are three main ways in which adaptations try to make the story less disturbing and less monstrous. The first one is Humbert Humbert's Past. In the book, Humbert Humbert is an experienced predator. We get an episode of him being very young and being attracted to a girl his age who then dies. And we are given this as an explanation for his obsession and his pedophilia and his attraction to very young girls later on. But in spite of this, which can be interpreted as something that just happens to Humbert Humbert, that he has no control over, a kind of urge, a fixation, a trauma, in spite of this, the book tells us that throughout his life, Humbert Humbert is very aware that the older he gets, the less appropriate it is for him to be attracted to girls who are no longer his age, but are very young. And by the time he meets Lolita when he's in his 40s, It's very clear that he's had an entire lifetime of being a predator, of seeking out these very young girls and preying on them. He's experienced at doing this. But in both adaptations, that past and that self-awareness is gone. In both adaptations, Humbert Humbert is portrayed more like a victim of his urge. In the 1990s version, for example, we only get the anecdote of him being a young boy In love with another girl and her dying. And then we skip immediately to his life with Lolita. And nothing is mentioned about the in between years. You might assume from watching the movie that Humbert Humbert has never had a relationship with anyone, romantic or sexual, in between those two events. But in the book, he very much has. In the book, Humbert Humbert is very aware of the difference between relationships with women his own age and his fixation on very young girls. He understands precisely where the lines are drawn. He understands that he damages young girls. He understands the meaning of his pedophilia, the weight of it on other people's lives. He understands the amount of lying he has to do to hide what he does. He is in no way purely a victim of his urges. The second way in which filmed adaptations try to make the story less monstrous is by taking Humbert Humbert's very unreliable narrative voice from the book and turning it into objective reality in a visual medium. In the book, we only ever hear from Humbert Humbert. He's the only existing voice, the only point of view. We never hear directly from Lolita or really from anyone else. We only have his description of events, his thoughts about why people are behaving the way they're behaving to rely on. This is why some of the interpretations of the book Are that nothing that Humbert Humbert describes actually happens but is all just a fantasy he creates in his head. However in a visual medium the assumption is that whatever we see is what's happening in reality, unless the movie works very hard to convince us that isn't the case. And so Lolita goes from being someone Humbert Humbert only reports on, someone who we only see through his very very twisted perspective, to someone who actually, in reality, behaves the way that he imagines she behaves in the novel. In the novel, it's very clear that Humbert Humbert's perspective is a little twisted, to say the least. He doesn't really understand why Lolita does the things she does, why she behaves the way she behaves. Sometimes she's able to hide things from him and do things that surprise him, especially the older she gets. He is her legal guardian from when she is about 12 until she's about 16. And in those years, Lolita changes a lot. And a lot of those changes are invisible to Humbert Humbert. He doesn't quite understand them or knows how to parse them. In the filmed adaptations, all of that is removed. And instead, we get Lolita actually behaving the way that Humbert Humbert describes her in the book, actually having the motivations and inner life that he ascribes to her. In some ways, both adaptations try to counter this, but with very limited success. Ultimately, we are much more convinced that Lolita behaves and talks and thinks the way that Humbert Humbert sees her in the movies versus in the book. The reason this is meaningful is that Humbert Humbert's view of Lolita and their relationship is very positive, ultimately, and we only get glimpses of Lolita maybe not seeing things the same way. But in the filmed adaptations, Humbert-Humbert's interpretation becomes canon. It becomes much closer to the reality of how Lolita experiences those years. The third and final way in which adaptations try to make the story less monstrous than it is, is by handling a very specific anecdote from the book in a very particular way. The turning point in Humbert-Humbert's relationship with Lolita in the book comes after her mother dies. At this point, Humbert Humbert is married to Lolita's mother in order to be closer to Lolita herself, biding his time, hoping that one day an opportunity will present itself. And finally, it does. Lolita's mother dies in an accident while Lolita is at summer camp. Humbert Humbert now becomes her legal guardian. Lolita has no other close family to take her in. And so Humbert Humbert drives to the summer camp where he will pick Lolita up and tell her that her mother is dead and that he is now her legal guardian. But instead, Humbert Humbert picks her up and takes her to a motel without telling her any of this. In fact, he pretends that everything is exactly as Lolita remembers it, and nothing has changed. At the motel, he gives Lolita sleeping pills, and then leaves the room waiting for her to fall asleep. It's very clear in the book that he plans to wait until Lolita passes out, and then come back to the room and rape her. After this, Humbert Humbert plans to leave Lolita at this motel, completely alone, unaware of what's happened to her mother, unaware of what her legal situation now is. He plans to leave and never return. So, in effect, he plans to rape Lolita, who is 12 years old at this point, and abandon her, despite being her legal guardian. However, when Humbert Humbert goes downstairs, Various things happen at the motel, and when he comes back to the room, Lolita is awake, counter to his expectations. And so this plan is abandoned in favor of a different plan in which he will rape her while she's awake in an encounter that Lolita experiences as consensual, and later serve as her legal guardian, and in fact become her stepfather and live with her for years. In the filmed adaptations, however, this isn't the version of the scene we get. We never get Humbert Humbert's intention to drug Lolita, rape her, and leave her at that motel and disappear forever. Instead, we get different versions of Humbert Humbert being lost, considering his options, lusting after Lolita, and so on and so forth. In the 90s adaptation, which is closest to the book, we still only get Humbert Humbert giving Lolita the sleeping pills, supposedly in order to calm her down, going downstairs at the motel. Having various experiences and coming back to find Lolita awake. We never get any trace of his plan to rape her while she's unconscious or to leave her. I remember realizing how different this scene was in the adaptations and in the book when I was younger and being very disturbed by it the more time went on. I didn't understand why they would minimize Humbert Humbert's monstrosity, why they would make him a lot more innocent a lot more a victim of his urges, a lot less premeditated than he was in the book. After all, I loved the book because Humbert Humbert was a monster, because it didn't try to portray him in a positive light. I remember thinking how disturbing it was that someone looked at a book like Lolita, which is all about presenting an absolute monster, and thought to themselves, how can we make this predator, pedophile rapist more likable? Of course, I don't know if that was the reason those changes were made in both adaptations. You could argue that they were made in order to condense a very complex, long novel, a novel that meanders, that is happening inside one person's head, into something that was much more of a coherent narrative in a three act structure to fit Hollywood expectations. But I would say that if you take all three of the things I talked about the way that Humbert Humbert's past was handled, the way Lolita's internal life and internal narrative was handled, and the handling of this particular scene, I think it's very easy to see that there was an attempt made to make Humbert Humbert more likable and more palatable, or if that attempt was made subconsciously, that was certainly the end effect on the viewer. Which leads me to the TV show Hannibal, and how it did get a lot of these things right, in my opinion, a lot more, right than the filmed adaptations do. So in this next part, I'm going to talk about a few different aspects of the TV show. Some of them have to do with who Hannibal Lecter as a character is, and some of them have to do with his relationship with Will Graham and how it's portrayed. So let's start with who Hannibal Lecter is. I think it's really striking how, particularly in the TV show, there's such a strong resemblance between Hannibal Lecter and Humbert Humbert. Let's start with the fact that Hannibal is a consummate predator, just like Humbert Humbert. He's fully self-aware. Yes, he may be motivated by a certain unconscious urge or some kind of trauma, but ultimately he is an adult who makes his own decisions, who is aware of his surroundings, aware of the consequences of his actions, who sees reality the same way we all do. Like Humbert Humbert, Hannibal is a premeditated killer. He thinks a lot about every act he commits. He plans for it. He studies his victims. He he plans out the crime in advance, just like Humbert Humbert does with Lolita and with other girls before her. And just like Humbert Humbert has his childhood trauma, the girl he was in love with who died, We also get, at some point in the show, a trauma that happened to Hannibal Lecter when he was a child that could theoretically explain who he is now and the things he does. But the show rejects this explanation, just like the book Lolita does. It tells us about this trauma and then says, well, yes, but Hannibal Lecter had many, many years in between that trauma and the point at which we meet him to make all kinds of decisions and learn all kinds of things. And he decided to become who he is. He decided to do the things that he did. The final aspect of Hannibal's identity is the enormous amount of privilege he has that allows him to get away with all of his crimes for as long as he does. And that is extremely similar to what happens to Humbert Humbert. So Humbert Humbert is a professor of literature. He is European, originally an immigrant to the United States. He is roughly in his forties. He's white, he's a man, he's straight. And all of these things create a certain cocoon of privilege around him that makes it very difficult for people to question him. In fact, we later on in the book, see Humbert Humbert living with Lolita as she's growing up as her stepfather. And it's emphasized that a closer look at what's happening in their household would reveal a lot of very strange things. And in fact, Lolita herself behaves very strangely at school sometimes, or says things that are very alarming. But all of these things are continually dismissed because of Humbert Humbert's veneer of respectability. The fact that he is an educated white man, the fact that even though his sexual desires are not things that society would consider acceptable, He's seen as a normal straight man who was married to a woman and is now taking care of her child. A lot is made in the book about how Humbert Humbert is able to get away with his crimes because no one will question him. No one could entertain the possibility that someone like him could be a predator and a pedophile and a rapist. And so Humbert Humbert is able to continue to do what he does with Lolita for years and years without ever being really questioned or stopped. Another aspect of this is that Humbert Humbert has some professional authority. He's a professor. He teaches at universities. There is a level of respectability there that he wouldn't have if he was working class or if he was uneducated or even if he taught high school. And of course, finally, Humbert Humbert is European. It doesn't really quite matter where he's from, but in the United States, he's perceived as slightly odd and exotic. And a lot of things that might otherwise raise a red flag are chalked up to him just being a little bit odd, in a lovable, forgivable kind of way. Humbert Humbert is the right kind of immigrant. And of course, underneath all of that, he is the greatest monster any of the people who encounter him has ever met. If you've watched the show Hannibal, you might think to yourself, as I was describing Humbert Humbert, how similar he is to Hannibal, because Hannibal is almost all of these things as well. Hannibal is a man in his 40s, from Eastern Europe and France in the show. He's perceived to be straight by having affairs with various women. And, of course, he is a highly educated professional, a medical doctor, as well as a psychiatrist, who even publishes academically, just like Humbert Humbert did. Like Humbert Humbert, Hannibal is the right kind of immigrant. He is educated, he is white. And, like Humbert Humbert, various things about Hannibal that are considered a little bit odd or don't quite add up, are chalked up to his European background. Hannibal is very sophisticated compared to all of the other American characters. They all notice this and comment on it, whether it's his style of dress or his cooking or the way he conducts himself in a sort of formal manner. And it's also his own complaints, which also echo Humbert Humbert's in the book, in which he considers Americans rude or not cultured enough Honestly, just listing these things, it's difficult for me to not see a direct connection between Hannibal Lecter, at least in the way he's portrayed in the TV show, and Humbert Humbert in Lolita. These similarities already make these two characters almost the same character. Similarly to Humbert Humbert, Hannibal also receives adoration from people who really should know better, specifically in the way that Humbert Humbert is perceived by his colleagues at the university or by administrators at Lolita's school, or by various neighbors, we see Hannibal being treated the same way by Will Graham's boss, Jack. Will's boss is a fairly high-ranking FBI officer who's spent his career hunting down killers. And at the same time, he's so blinded by Hannibal's privilege and Hannibal's veneer of respectability and professional authority as a psychiatrist and a doctor, that it's hard for him to see the damage that Hannibal is doing to Will, never mind the many murders that Hannibal is committing. Now let's talk about Hannibal's relationship with Will and their dynamics. So in the show, Will is forced to see Hannibal as his psychiatrist in order for him to be able to work for the FBI and try and solve cases, which we know for Will is at the core of his identity and is the one thing he loves doing in his life and where he feels like he's helping. Will absolutely hates the feeling of helplessness. Like Humbert Humbert, Hannibal is in a caretaking role with Will. Will is specifically placed under his care in a similar way to how Lolita is placed under the care of Humbert Humbert. An interesting aspect of this, I think, is the way that Will perceives his interactions with Hannibal. Will, who is in a vulnerable position for two reasons. Number one, because he needs Hannibal's approval in order to be able to do his job. And number two, because Will actually does have a brain disease, which is affecting the way his brain is working. And no one knows about this but Hannibal. Will is experiencing symptoms. He is losing time. He doesn't perceive reality in the way that he's supposed to. And he doesn't know why this is happening. The only authority figure in his life who can give him answers is Hannibal, who is charged with his mental health. But of course, Hannibal is not going to do that. In fact, he's only going to make Will's mental health even worse. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I, I, I don't know what's real. It's 7.27 p.m. You're in Baltimore, Maryland, and your name is Will Graham. No, I don't care who I am. Just tell me if he's real. I don't see anyone. No, he's right there. There's no one there, Will. In this clip from the 11th episode of the first season of Hannibal, Will has come to Hannibal's office because he's seeing visions. Will points his gun at a third person who's in the room with them, because Will thinks this person is someone he's been hallucinating. Instead of telling Will that he's mistaken in the identity of the person who's sitting in the room, Hannibal pretends no one is in the room with them at all, and thus Will is even more detached from reality than he'd previously thought. The reason I think this is interesting is because of how much trust Will gives Hannibal very reluctantly. Will hates psychiatrists. He doesn't trust them. He's had some very bad experiences with them. And at the same time, Hannibal manages to win over his trust fairly early on, and their entire relationship in season one is extremely consensual from Will's perspective. Will truly gives Hannibal his trust and his vulnerability. And what Hannibal does with this is manipulate Will and slowly destroy his life. In the same way, in the book, we see Lolita, if we are to trust Humbert Humbert's narrative voice at all, experience her relationship with Humbert Humbert as something that is both consensual on her end and something that she, in fact, initiates. Lolita has a crush on Humbert Humbert before her mother dies. And the first time Humbert Humbert rapes her at the motel Lolita, who again was just drugged by him, unbeknownst to her, actually initiates their sexual encounter. So, for a long time, as Lolita grows up, she's not fully aware of who Humbert Humbert really is. She sees herself as the person in control. She trusts him, she loves him. She doesn't understand that Humbert Humbert is a predator underneath it all. She doesn't know that Humbert Humbert was going to drug her and rape her. No matter what, she doesn't know that he originally married her mother just to be close to her. She doesn't know that he's a lifelong rapist and pedophile. If there's anything that I think is a powerful message in that, which I think carries over to Hannibal as well, it's that consent or even initiation on the part of the victim doesn't mean that a crime wasn't committed. Just because Lolita saw herself as being in love with Humbert Humbert, just because she initiated the relationship with him, the book makes it very clear to us by giving us Humbert Humbert's point of view that none of that had any effect on the fact that he was always a monster and remained a monster for the entire time he was with her. In the same way that Lolita slowly comes to realize who Humbert Humbert truly is and what he's doing to her and how he is Warping her life in order to maintain a facade of a loving stepfather, moving her from school to school and town to town, preventing her from having any meaningful relationships, preventing her from having any romantic relationships with anyone her age, lying constantly and forcing her to lie about what happens in their house. As she understands all of these things and the effect that they have on her, and slowly understands what a monster Humbert Humbert is, how little choice she has, how truly non-consensual their relationship is, how vulnerable she is in comparison to him and what his responsibility to her truly was. In a similar way, Will Graham comes to realize that Hannibal is a murderer and a cannibal and that he lied to Will Graham, that he manipulated him, that he tried to make Will Graham think that Graham was in fact himself a murderer and a cannibal. And so again, we have these two extremely similar narratives in which a very vulnerable person is being put into the charge of someone who is an authority figure and who is supposed to take care of them, make them better, and instead actually destroys them slowly just because they're a predator and they can and they like doing that sort of thing. And again, I don't think any of the filmed adaptations of Lolita conveyed the premeditated nature of that destruction and that relationship in the way that Hannibal did. The other aspect of that relationship that I'd like to talk about is how Hannibal manipulates Will Graham, but not through any sort of violence, but through perceived normalcy and by taking advantage of Will's vulnerability and also warping reality, if you will, during their sessions. I think it's interesting in particular because Hannibal is a horror TV show and of course Hannibal Lecter is a cannibal and murderer. And yet, nothing he does to Will is violent for most of the first season. I think it's worth noting how not violent Hannibal is with Will, even as he's manipulating him to the extreme and ruining his life and sense of self in the same way that Humbert Humbert is not physically violent with Lolita humbert humbert destroys lolita's life by manipulating her into thinking that everything that happens between them is perfectly normal that he isn't a predator that everything that happens is perfectly fine and the way that it should happen and it takes her a long time to understand fully that that isn't the case in their sessions especially in the first season hannibal creates a sense of normalcy for will he convinces will That he's truly treating him the way a psychiatrist would, that everything that happens between them may be unconventional, but it's still perfectly fine and within the realm of acceptable behavior. It's this sense of normalcy that truly destroys Will from the inside. He can sense that something is wrong, he can sense that his grip on reality is slipping and it's terrifying him, but Hannibal behaves as if everything is totally fine. In the same way, Humbert Humbert creates a deliberate sense of normalcy in his household with Lolita. He does with her what any caring father would do. They have activities. He takes care to feed her and mend her clothes and do the many other things any caring, loving parent would do. It's this sense of normalcy that makes it harder for both Lolita and everyone around her to see how truly twisted and horrifying the situation that she finds herself is. And as I mentioned before, there are times when Lolita goes to other people in her life who are authority figures, for example, people she knows at school or other adults who should be in a position to help her. But instead, they're blinded by Humbert Humbert's privilege and by the seeming normalcy of his relationship with Lolita. In the same way, we have Will in the show going to Jack, his boss at work. And trying to raise a red flag to say that something is wrong in his relationship with Hannibal, that something there doesn't quite add up, and that he feels increasingly lost and vulnerable. But Jack doesn't really follow up on that until it's too late. Again, in part because of Hannibal's privilege, and in part because of how normal his relationship with Will seems. How little credence is given to Will as a person who's considered odd, as a person who's considered to have a particular mental ability, an overabundance of empathy, in the same way that Lolita is not believed when she tries to tell other adults about Humbert Humbert because she is a child, because she is a girl, and people take what she says with a grain of salt. Finally, I think it's interesting to talk about the ending of Lolita And perhaps not the ending of Hannibal, but certainly the things that happen later on. One of the interesting things about Lolita, the book, is that Humbert Humbert remains basically unchanged by his experiences. Even though he has this whole life with Lolita for years and he watches her grow up, he still remains a predator and a pedophile and a rapist, and his obsession with her only grows. In fact, after Lolita manages to escape Humbert Humbert, she comes to him for help. And when he sees her having a life, being pregnant, having a husband, building herself up from the ashes of what he did to her, his only instinct is to try and get her back. He offers her a sum of money, something that he knows she desperately needs, if she would only leave her life and come back to him, just as she is. And again, in Hannibal, we see almost the exact same dynamic. Hannibal's relationship with Will doesn't actually change him, even though Hannibal tells Will that he is an exception, that he feels deeply for him, that he would be willing to do things for him that he would never be willing to do for anyone else. Still, none of that changes Hannibal as a monster. He is still a murderer and a cannibal when it's all said and done. In fact, his obsession with Will only grows. And just like in Lolita, there's a period of time when Will is able to get away from him, build a life, have a wife and child, and then eventually he needs Hannibal's help, he comes back, and Hannibal does absolutely everything in his power to get Will back. So, as I said at the start of the episode, I think Hannibal is the best screen adaptation that exists of the book Lolita. But at the same time, Hannibal is a much larger work. It spans several seasons and, of course, it contains other things as well. One of the things I think Hannibal tries to do is to kind of rewrite the narrative. Because in Hannibal, both Hannibal and Will are adults, and because we are, of course, explicitly within a horror narrative, it becomes possible to rewrite the story into something different, into a kind of love story, which I think Hannibal is. Here, Will Graham can understand Hannibal fully, know who he is fully, and at the same time, feel love for him and be drawn to him in spite of knowing the truth, which is not something that you could ever do in a narrative like Lolita. So what are my final thoughts on all of this? First, let me say, I think there are many ways to read the Hannibal TV show, many interesting ways to analyze it. But at the same time, for me, the TV show Hannibal is truly the best filmed adaptation of the book Lolita, a book that I've loved since a very young age and that I've always been dissatisfied with the adaptations of. It was really interesting for me to realize that the only way to truly adapt Lolita was to make it a horror story. For me, Hannibal, the TV show, truly shows the monstrosity of the book and the true spirit of the book and the sense of utter wrongness, the sense of of horror and monstrosity that you get when you read it. I think it's really interesting That Hollywood wasn't able to tell the story of a very young, vulnerable person being put into the charge of someone who was supposed to take care of her. And instead, because of the enormous privilege that he was wrapped in, was able to get away with exploiting and destroying this young, vulnerable person completely. I think it's interesting that Hollywood was not able to portray the way that Lolita's consent in her own mind... Doesn't change the fact that Humbert Humbert is a monster and that consent is meaningless to who he truly is and how horrifying he truly is and how he was always going to destroy her life, whether she agreed to it or not. And so instead, we have Hannibal, which is true to the spirit of the book, but also true in so many small details, as I hope I've demonstrated. And maybe the lesson in all this is that in order to adapt a story like Lolita, it has to be a horror story. All right. If you enjoyed this episode of Pop Culture Sociologist, I hope you'll share it with your friends who might also find it interesting. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every other platform. I'm on Twitter at Berlin underscore Marina or Pop Sock Podcast. And if you'd like to know more about me, in addition to being a media critic, I'm also a published author and poet of science fiction and fantasy. So if any of that sounds interesting, you're welcome to read about it on my website, which is marinaberlin.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me tell you my thoughts. I hope you have a great week, and I'll see you on the second episode of Pop Culture Sociologist.